The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its, branches, when its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Of course, taking my cue from the Gospel, I just wanted to say a few words this morning about the last judgment. First, I wanted to start with a quote and see if you can, maybe some of you might know this quote. But see if you can, after I read it, think to yourself, when was this statement uh, given? So, so I'll start. Now, you know the times in which we live. They are scarcely less deplorable for the Christian religion than the worst days, which in time past were most full of misery to the church. We see faith the root of all Christian virtues, lessening in many souls. We see charity growing cold. The young generation daily growing in depravity of morals and views. The church of Jesus Christ attacked on every side by open force or by craft. And the very foundations of religion undermined with a boldness which waxes daily in intensity. In circumstances so unhappy and troubling, human remedies are insufficient, and it becomes necessary as a sole resource to beg for assistance from the divine power. So again, we see charity growing cold, the young generation daily growing in depravity of morals and views, the Church of Jesus Christ attacked on every side by open force or by craft. So that was August 15th, 1889. So that was Pope Leo XIII and an encyclical on St. Joseph, actually, called Quam Quam Puries. And the reason I read that is because you can see uh, that was 1889. You could probably apply that quote to every epoch of the church. In other words, when we're living in a moment, it is natural and normal and, I think, right to focus on the things that are attacking us, and they can seem very ominous and very, at times, even overwhelming. 
But the important thing, as we think especially about the last judgment, is that the church has always been through difficult times. There's never an epic of the church where there's not suffering, not persecution, where faith is always strong, that everyone is in unity, right? That doesn't exist because we are still on a pilgrimage here on this earth. We're not yet in heaven. So if these words written 150 years ago almost uh, could be that intense for the, for the Holy Father, then again, we're, we're living in the same church. And in many ways, these troubling times are with us today. So what's our response? I think one of the great responses can be reflecting on this whole teaching of the church of the last judgment. Uh, so I think whenever we think about the end times, it's important to put things into perspective. And first of all, that uh, we feel many pressures, I think, in, in our society because we don't live in a Christian society anymore. Uh, and trying to live our Catholic faith is countercultural. And it's not comfortable, and it shouldn't be comfortable in a certain sense. Christ does ask us to take, or commands us to take up our cross daily and follow him. So that's, first of all, whenever we feel the pinch or feel the discomfort or feel like we're ostracized or anything like that, well, that's a way that Christ is saying, you're taking up your cross and following me. So that shouldn't ever scare us. Uh, So a couple pointers. First of all, what is my response when I think about the last judgment? intensify my personal conversion. That's the, the first thing. When, when I see the evils in the world, really there's only one person that I can directly control the actions of, and that, that's myself. I can pray and sacrifice, sacrifice for others that they may be open to the grace of God in conversion, but I'm the only one I can change myself. So we need to always intensify personal conversion. Catechism of the Catholic Church says the following, those who are united with Christ will form the community of the redeemed. Those who are united with Christ will form the community of the redeemed. All right, so if we think about the last judgment, well, that's what we have to be assured of, that if we're united to Christ, no war, no insurrection, no um, darkening of the sky or anything can affect the state of my soul. If it's in union with Christ, I have nothing to fear. Uh, Another helpful thing in these times is to reflect on your own death. How many times have you taken that to prayer by my own death? We don't like to think about it, but it's something that is necessary, part of the spiritual tradition of the church. Uh, I can't think of a particular one, but many saints would carry a skull with them to remind themselves of their own death. And so that healthy reflection about death, first of all, it should scare us because we weren't meant for it. We were were not meant to die. So it should be something repulsive. It should be something in a certain sense scary, but it's a good thing to wake us up. And it can help us discern our actions. If I'm about to take a course of action or if I'm about on the temptation to commit a sin, maybe a reflection on my own death Asking Christ, oh, how would you see this at the moment when I come to meet you face to face? How would you judge this particular action I'm about to undertake? Uh, Also, another helpful thing is to always maintaining a sense of meaning and hope, uh, especially in times of suffering or in suffering uh, maybe in the family. Also, when uh, I can work in a retreat center and offer a lot of spiritual direction. But one of the most agonizing things for, especially for adults is when their children and grandchildren don't follow in the faith. And that can be agonizing. It can be very, very difficult. But one thing is to always maintain a sense of meaning and of hope 
that your own personal holiness does have value before God. Your prayers and your sufferings do have value before God and perhaps can be uh, that measure of openness or God can grant the people who are praying for a measure of openness that opens up their heart in a split, in a one instant for conversion. That's what Christ did at, at the, on the cross, right? The good thief, all Christ needed was a tiny little opening in the good thief's minded heart and salvation was his. So Christ in any moment He's always there waiting for that one opening. And our prayers and sacrifices can uh, be applied to those who are, are rejecting the faith at the moment. Uh, so one thing in terms of meaning and hope, the Catechism also says the following, God's justice triumphs over all the injustices committed by his creatures. So we also have to have a healthy sense of justice that evil, even though it seems very it's almost, almost mocking, right? The evil and people who promote evil seems like even the Psalms talk about them as swaggering. Their, their minds are sound and sleek and they wear arrogance like a necklace. Right? We can feel that way sometimes when evil seems like even overpowering. But we have to be reminded that God's justice triumphs over all the injustices committed by his creatures. And more importantly, God's love is stronger than death. God's love is stronger than death. So just as much as the devil is on the prowl lurking and, and looking for opportunities to trip up and to discourage, God is even more powerful and will always be on the lookout also for times to redeem. Uh, also, uh, another thing is to look at evil as a challenge that makes you spiritually stronger. The big temptation, uh, even in sports, right, is to look at your enemy and, and, and hate the person or hate the team or hate whatever but actually, if we look at it in a Christian sense, our enemy is, is an opponent that actually is an obstacle there that makes us stronger if we overcome it. And that we can look on uh, even moral evils, people who perpetrate moral evil, not as someone to hate, but as an obstacle, maybe a wake-up call, to be spiritually stronger myself. If he's gonna, he or she is going to promote evil, well, I'm going to double down and promote good even more. So it makes me spiritually stronger when I confront evil. So we can't um, be daunted so much that it, it makes us lose our sense of meaning and hope. Um, so again, to see all the different evils as ways that make us spiritually stronger. And uh, we're always called to love our persecutors. Right? Love your persecutors, pray for those who per love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. So those opportunities, when we're confronted with moral evil and people who perpetrate it, we can show love and we can say, I'm going to double down and do good. The, to the extent that you do evil, I'm actually going to promote um, and foster goodness in my own heart. And lastly, do not be, don't let ourselves be dragged down by bitterness and hatred. Again, we uh, anger sometimes and um, fear is the natural human re reaction to moral evil when it exists. That's what happens. God made us that way. So that we reject it. Moral evil can, can cause us fear and anger. Uh, and hatred in the sense that we re rejection of something, not uh, wishing evil upon someone. That's when hatred becomes a sin. Hatred becomes a sin when I purposely wish evil upon the person who's perpetrating something evil. But I don't have to wish them. I can feel hatred against the sin that's being committed, but never against the person. So we can't let ourselves be dragged into bitterness and hatred of the person who perpetrates evil. The sin, yes, but not the person. And the most important thing, and the reason, of course, that we come... Uh, at least every week to Mass, is that Christ is with us, and he never loses the fight. He's always the victor. As the letter to the Hebrews states, 
says the following, This one offered one sacrifice for sins and took his seat forever at the right hand of God. Now he waits until his enemies are made his footstool. And that's interesting. So Christ has already conquered. His, he's waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. And now I think to myself, what does that mean? Well, Christ has already conquered. He's waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool because we have Christ in us now. And he's waiting. Christ is there waiting from heaven, looking down upon us and looking for us to put the enemies under his footstool because he really does identify himself with each and every person. So Christ has won, but now again, he's looking and gazing upon us and asking us that question, are you going to join me in this great fight against evil, in this great fight, really, of love that he showed us here on the cross and here at the banquet of the Eucharist? So Christ is with us, and he will be with us in a few moments. So he's literally coming down from heaven to be with us in this great fight. So as we reflect, as the church invites us to reflect on the last judgment, let's uh, always unite ourselves to Christ. Uh, always know that he's given us the strength, and most of all, he's given us his presence. And with Christ, we will always, always conquer. The Lord will show us the path to life and the fullness of joys. Trusting in the Father's unfailing care, we offer him our prayers. That the church will stand before the world without stain or blemish, holy and obedient to God's word, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For government officials, that they pursue peace and justice and the true good of the human person. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For Christian husbands and wives, that the Lord will give them the graces they need to live in faith, the sacrament of matrimony. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all those who have stopped practicing their faith, that they receive the grace to return to the sacraments and realize the truth of God's love for them. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the grace to, always, to be always attentive to the Lord and ready for his return. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Today's Mass is being offered for the people of the parish. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are sick or infirm and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those of the Blessed Mother, they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them. And let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed, through, through the, the mercy, mercy of, of God, God rest, rest in peace. Loving Father, show us the path to life. Give us the fullness of joys in your presence. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.